Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Hello and welcome to Money Beat's Look at the Week Ahead. Paul Vigna, Stephen Grosser here in New York City. We are joined by Wall Street Journal reporter Kate Davidson. Kate, how are you? Great. How are you guys? Uh, we're doing all right. Been a crazy week down there in D.C. A lot of fun. Yeah? <laughs> by fun, I mean we got pizza in the newsroom while we all stayed glued to our desks yesterday listening to the former FBI director. But it's always something. It's been it's been. Uh, this year has been a crazy year. Wow. Yes. Did, did, did you, your bosses bought you guys pizza? Yeah, do you guys not get pizza in New York? Hmm. Nope. <laughs> our bosses Sorry. buy pizza. Yeah. Hmm. Who can I talk to? Or who's my union rep? Can I talk to someone yeah, about you, that? You guys need to look into that. Grocer, could you just buy me a slice of pizza? Like one slice. That's all I want. And I wasn't even covering the hearing. You, you weren't were generous. Even, Kate yeah. wasn't even covering the hearing. <laughs> uh, okay, so a crazy week down in D.C. Uh, last week. Almost. Is it going to be another crazy week, Kate Davidson, this week? <laughs> Uh, well, it could be, except that I think we all have a much better sense of what the news will be, um, yeah. at least in econ land, this coming week, uh, which, of course, the, the big uh, the big event on the calendar is the Fed meeting on right. Wednesday. Fairly, um, fairly certain that they're going to raise rates. Um, but what we'll be looking for, I think the, the more significant news will be what they say about what they're going to do about the balance sheet um, and, and sort of announcing their framework for shrinking it from about four and a half trillion dollars right now um, to who knows what we don't exactly know how much smaller they want it to get right. maybe they'll maybe they'll give us some details on that I don't know I don't have a huge amount of confidence that will you know that they're gonna say here's where's where we want it to be but they'll certainly start talking about how they're going to how they're gonna start shrinking it right yeah and that was before the financial crisis if I recall correctly their their balance sheet which is which is everything they hold it's it's Mostly bonds, mostly government debt. Um, I'm trying to think what else they hold on. But it was about eight or nine hundred billion dollars worth of assets they had on their balance sheet. Financial crisis hits. They they blow the doors out, lower rates to zero. They start the QE programs. They start buying assets off the bank's hands. And now, like you said, Kate, they have a four and a half trillion dollar balance sheet. They want to eventually whittle that down. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, we, we, we don't I think one of as I said, you know, one of the big questions is how much smaller do they want it to get? Right. And then of course, um, right, just just the mechanics of how they're gonna do that. Right. So and one, fast, of, and one of the mechanics they discussed at the last meeting was setting sort of you know, what what happens as these bonds roll off their balance sheet, the Fed has been investing the proceeds, been buying more bonds. And so or and one of the things that they could do is sort of set a limit on how much they reinvest in the market and they can see how that works how that affects the markets and then you know every few every quarter every month they could you know up that level um, that was one sort of suggestion from the minutes of the last fed meeting 
Right, exactly. I mean, they would essentially start by allowing like a small amount of, of net p- maturities per month um, mm-hmm. and, and allowing that to rise each quarter, like you said. I mean, they, they haven't outlined those amounts. Um, and, um, you know, we could we could see an, an agreement on this approach announced at the June meeting, um, the meeting next week. Um, we're not, you know, not totally sure, but we think we'll get some kind of statement about what's happening with the balance sheet. Obviously, the Fed wants to give markets uh, plenty of time to sort of digest the process, right. figure it out, and then, you know, maybe maybe actually get it going at the end of the year or early next year. And I think that, you know, the market reaction to the Fed minutes that laid out a sort of rough sketch of a plan um, was favorable. The market seemed to like their plan for you know, winding down the balance sheet. So it'll be interesting if we get, if they get more clarity what the market reaction is. Yeah. The other question is, is the timing of when they might decide to start implementing the wind down of the balance sheet. Um, it seemed like from speeches earlier in the year, sort of end of the year uh, into 2018, is there a chance that they could also indi- indicate they might move that up? Yeah, I think it sort of depends. There's a lot of uncertainty around what else is happening in Washington. So, um, hmm. you know, there's this possibility that Congress um, and the White House might have trouble reaching an agreement on when to raise the debt ceiling. Um, also, there's just some uncertainty on when when that's actually going to happen. Um, that is when the government will, will basically run out of money to pay its bills. So private forecasters and, and, and even some federal ones, have economists are saying that they think it will be sometime in the fall. Some say um, September or October. Uh, the Treasury Secretary, Steven Mnuchin, came out a couple weeks ago and encouraged Congress to deal with this before they leave um, for the their summer recess, which is at the very end of July. They go back to their districts for five weeks for the month of August. And he's sort of saying, look, you you really need to figure this out before you go home. Um, and folks are wondering, does that mean that the timing has moved up? Do they now think we're going to hit this so-called mm. X date sooner? It's not really clear. Um, on top of that, uh, the, there could be, you know, the gov- government funding Runs out at the end of September, so they'll need to they'll need to come to an agreement on on funding the government you know, so, to avoid a shutdown. So there's all these things happening in September that could complicate that September uh, meeting. And one of the other things is, you know, the Treasury Secretary wants them to raise it without anything attached to it. Other people in the Trump administration and Republicans in Congress have suggested they need to raise it with spending cuts tied to it. Um, You know, we all, I don't know if we all remember, but I certainly remember, you know, the debates, especially in the summer of 2011 and stuff like that. Is there a chance that we might see, uh, you know, a repeat of, you know, sort of 2011 where there's a real kind of battle over raising the debt ceiling? Yeah, I mean, I think almost certainly there will be. And just to throw another wild card in there, too, now Democrats, uh, Democratic leaders are suggesting that they might not be on board with a clean uh, increase, which, of course, you know, because of the dynamics of the Republican Party, because you have these sort of competing factions, uh, Republicans have needed Democratic support. They've needed some Democrats to vote with them on this debt, debt limit increase. And now if you have Democrats saying, hey, look, you know, we don't... It's a little bit unclear what they've been hinting at, but I think Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer have sort of said, look, you guys have a lot of things you want to get done, like tax tax cuts or tax reform, something like that. Uh, if you want our help with the debt limit, we need to talk. Um, so it's it's still unclear how those conversations will take shape at that as another element of uncertainty. So I definitely think you could get uh, you could see a, a 
brawl um, sometime over the next few months over this. You know, to, to bring, bring it back to the Fed for a second, uh, the market is pretty well assured that they're going to raise interest rates 25 basis points this, this of this week at this mm-hmm. meeting. And the market, Kate, was pretty assured that the Fed was going to raise rates probably one or two more times the the second half of the year. But those bets are starting to whittle off. Is there any indication of what the Fed is thinking about for the second half of the year, specifically when it comes to interest rates? Will we get any kind of indication on that front? Not not quite yet, although that's definitely another thing we'll be looking at yeah. on Wednesday. We'll also get, in addition to possibly some statement about the balance sheet, we'll get new economic projections um, and interest rate projections mm-hmm. from officials. So that will give us a clearer signal of whether um, you know whether they remain on track. And you know, some right some some people are suggesting, hey, maybe they might want to uh, or need to feel like they need to hold off in September if there's a lot of turbulence, if there hasn't been some kind of debt ceiling agreement yet, um, they might not want to raise rates then if if the markets are kind of you know, if, if there's a lot of uncertainty. So right. that could put that could delay those plans and then sort of unclear what happens for the rest of the year. You know, we've seen this pattern of the Fed uh, only raising rates at meetings where there's a press conference. So there are um, after next week's meeting, there's just there are only two more chances. So if they skip September, that might you know mean they don't go again until December. You know, they, they've said that they're willing to go at every meeting. Every meeting is live, but right. that hasn't right. been really tested yet. So we'll have to see. All right, let's let's take a break. We'll come back on the other side because there's more happening down in Washington. There's more that you need to be aware of for next week. This is your look at the week ahead. ADP knows anything you hear, anything you don't hear, anything you kind of heard, anything you weren't supposed to hear and now have to pretend like you didn't can change the world of work. From HR to payroll, ADP designs forward-thinking solutions to take on the next anything. Make sure to check out the Future of Everything podcast because the future is closer than you think. All new episodes each Friday in June. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. Welcome back to Money Beats. Look at the week ahead. Paul Vini, Stephen Grosser here in New York City. Kate Davidson down in Washington, D.C. So we were talking about the Fed, and everyone knows, obviously, the Fed is the, the big deal uh, this upcoming week. But it, but Wednesday's a packed day. Wednesday is a packed day? Yeah. I, I see you got your little calendar, your yeah. handy calendar out there, Grocer. Uh, yeah, we're going to get some inflation data and retail sales, both of which have been, I mean, key for the key markets. Key numbers for the markets and for the Fed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are we expecting? Re- let's start off first with retail sales because, um, you know, that we've been waiting and waiting this year for sort of – the you know the consumer confidence numbers to sort of show you know show up in the spending data I guess is what I'm trying to say. Right, exactly. So, um, so the so the prior retail sales report showed you know stronger consumer spending despite these weaker readings at you know large brick and mortar retailers, um, and and we also saw that households you know upped their spending in other areas. So, um, you know, we're looking. I think there's this an expectation that um, that that will continue. Um, mm-hmm. And as you said, also Labor Department releasing the the CPI data um, that declined for the second straight month in April. Um, so. That's kind of raised 
potentially could raise some concerns for the Fed as it's thinking about the rest of the year. Um, not to keep going on and on about the Fed. We already talked about them. But <laughs> okay, yeah. uh, obviously, you know, they are, I think for right now, they seem to be putting more weight on the um, on the jobs data that we're seeing. And, right. you know, last week's report wasn't stellar, but um, with the with the jobless rate at 4.3 percent, I think that's still giving them enough confidence that the economy is in a good place. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't want to b- belabor the Fed talk either, but now that we're on it, uh, the fact that there is sort of data that is important to the Fed coming out on the same day as the Fed meeting, that doesn't really mean anything in terms of what the Fed is going to do at that point, does it, Kate? No, that's yeah. right. And, and also because um, this is CPI data, obviously it's important, but their Fed, you know, technically the their preferred inflation gauge is is the PCE index, personal consumption expenditures. So, um, you know, they, they put more weight on that than mm-hmm. CPI, but still it's, yeah, it's always interesting when you have these kind of two things colliding or happening right, on the same right. day. Well, I was just going to say, you also have PPI... Um, producer prices, yes. yeah, producer prices index um, on Tuesday as well, which is you know, it, it, once again, it's it's you know, sort of maybe you know, second tier data, but it, it start it also helps give an idea of yeah. inflation. And you know, another interesting thing, and and Kate, you had mentioned this to us that uh, next week the Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin will be testifying. What is it? Is it three times he's going to be testifying? Yes, he has a couple of a couple of appearances, um, sort of on subcommittees. The big the mm-hmm. big appearance that you, that we'll be watching um, and that you guys should watch if you're interested in in the intricacies we of the budget. <laughs> He'll be at the budget committee. Um, the I think it's the Senate Budget Committee on Tuesday morning. So mm-hmm. he, um, you know, the Treasury Department has sort of their own budget, and the Secretary always goes up and talks about here are the things we need for our agency and and our operations. But on Tuesday he'll be talking just generally about the Trump administration's overall budget proposal. And that's generated a lot of attention in recent weeks because of this conversation about um, economic growth. And you know, right. in, in the budget, the, the administration has signaled, look, we, we think we can get economic growth back up to 3%. Um, and there's been a lot of talk uh, in Washington and I think outside as well about whether that's realistic and whether they have the policies in this proposal to do that. So I'm sure that the secretary will get a lot of questions about that. And also, of course, as we were talking about the debt ceiling, I think that lawmakers will will try to um, get some more details from him on on how much longer uh, the government can actually go. How they're, they're right now using this thing called extraordinary measures. So technically, we've hit the limit. We hit it in the middle of March. But wow. Treasury uses these these extraordinary measures and uh, to conserve cash, basically, so that they can keep paying the bills. Yeah. And eventually, those will run out, too. So the question is, when when is that going to happen? And um, basically... Try to try to get him to give some more detail on that. And right. uh, past secretaries, Secretary Liu and, and Geithner before him, they would send letters to the Hill, and usually they give a range. They'd say like, you know, by September, bef- we're going to hit it before September. And then as they got a little, little closer, they'd say it might be sometime between this date and that date. And we haven't heard or seen anything like that from this administration yet. So there's certainly a lot of questions up there about when that's going to happen. You know, the other thing is, is what kind of a budget do they craft when? Look, the administration came in and they were gangbusters about a tax plan and a health care plan. And both those things are still in various stages of, of – they're in various stages. I mean, yes. those are not law. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Right. So, so how do you 
craft a budget plan without those two things when those two things are going to be two of your centerpieces? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, they have to make certain assumptions about what those plans will look like. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, where they've also gotten some tough questions is, you know, well, for example, the budget assumes that the um, that the administration's tax plan will basically generate and well at first <laughs> at first what we thought was and what officials have been saying was this plan will pay for itself through growth that is we right. don't have to cut spending because this is going to boost the economy so much that it will it will pay for itself and then there was sort of some um, you know some some tricky accounting when we actually looked at the numbers they were counting this this economic growth but they weren't really accounting for the fact that they would have lower tax revenues because if you're cutting taxes the government's not not getting as much revenue so so there was sort of there were there were some issues there and they and they got kind of a lot of flack about that but anyway the the budget director was sort of defending um the the use of these assumptions about these plans and senators were kind of trying to pin him down on well look you know what are the plans actually going to look like and so Mm -hmm. right he's they're they're in this weird spot where they haven't put out a proposal yet there have only been a couple of these sort of aspirational details i think of what they want this plan to look like ultimately it's up to congress to Uh, on the tax plan specifically you're talking about yeah sorry on the tax plan right obviously the health care bill um there have been versions of that that have been that have been floating around but on taxes there's not even a bill yet so um Right. So we're a ways off. Usually you can look at a budget and, and based on the assumptions, you can get some sense of what the administration intends to do. But there have also been kind of some odd comments from the budget director Mulvaney that the ultimate proposal might not look like what they're they're assuming in the budget. So it's definitely a little bit um, different than we're used to, the, sort of the way things are happening. That's a good way to describe it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is different. Right. Yeah. Different isn't always bad. It's just different. <laughs> Oh, sorry. I was waiting for you. No, I was um, waiting for you. I was waiting for you. We're always a smooth uh, sailing show here. <laughs> um, I was just – I didn't know if we were going to wrap up, but I was going to point out there – I think there are a couple of other things on both the economic calendar and Marcus calendar. Um, Lay them on us. I, I, I like the small business optimism just because that is one of those – that spiked after the election, and you know, seeing as it, you know, seeing where it stands is going to be uh, interesting. The other uh, thing is the EIA oil uh, data that oh, shows yeah. inventories. Um, that is in in a number of weeks recently that has moved markets. Um, it's a huge move. That's, that comes out on week, Wednesday, yeah. um, so that that's that should not. I mean, I you know, we're. Investors are looking to see the balance in the oil market, and that's why they're paying attention to that. Uh, And it led to a huge move this Wednesday, so pay attention to that. And then Friday is quadruple witching. Ah, when all the options contracts expire. Yeah. Yeah. So, and futures and options. Right, right. Futures and options contracts expire, so you get a lot of people who have to move money around one way or the other. Right. Uh, uh, Lately, I don't think it's had much of an impact, but it, it does increase volumes on that day. Right. All right. Kate Davidson, Wall Street Journal reporter down in Washington, D.C. Thanks for the time, Kate. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We're glad to have you. And everyone, thank you for listening, and we hope you have a great week. Follow the Wall Street Journal on your favorite podcast app. Search WSJ on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and any Amazon Alexa device. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. This message comes from Viking committed to exploring the world in comfort. 
Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.